Well, good morning. Uh, we're going to wrap up Ephesians, and we're in chapter 6 today. Paul has literally just come through the end of chapter 5, and you know he didn't write chapters, right? That We did that later, but the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, he's talked about submission and authority, and there, there's nothing wrong with submission. But uh, now we get into what we would term as a spiritual warfare. If you don't believe in spiritual warfare, today's the perfect day to be here because we're competing with the bowling tournament. <laughs> so uh, there's a long line of people uh, playing on bowling today. And uh, I know that's a distraction. If some of you all need to like relocate over here, you're welcome to do that uh, at any point, and, and we'll be good. But let, let me tell you about the three enemies that I believe that believers face. First of all, there's the world, there's our flesh, and then there's the evil one known as Satan. I believe that. Ephesians chapter 2, back up a few weeks, verses 1 and 3, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. That's the competition that we face today, is we're competing for your ears. The spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were, it's past tense, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. So first of all, when I talk about the world being one of our enemies, I'm referring to the system around us that's basically opposed to God. What better timing to talk about this than this week? That caters, this world that caters to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the other one, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. So definitely society apart from God is a simple but accurate definition of the word of the word world. And then the flesh. The flesh is that selfishness that is opposed to God and can do nothing spiritual to please God. It's, it's really self-centered. It's like when it all of a sudden becomes about me and even me doing things in my own strength rather than the spirit that lives in me. I still sometimes live by my flesh, which is one of my enemies. The, <clears throat> and then this, 
by his death and resurrection, Christ overcame the world and the flesh and the devil. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the mighty working of his strength, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority. Far above every ruler and authority. Power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. We still live in this world that Christ overcame. We still live in the flesh that Christ overcame. We still deal with the devil that Christ overcame. Past tense. In other words, as believers, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. We have already become victorious. Present tense. The Spirit of God enables us by faith to appropriate Christ's victory for ourselves. That's a good place to be for us in this room. So then, now let's break down what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. There is no question that believers are going to face opposition. Trust me. I've faced it all week. I don't know if you have or not, but I've, I've faced it all week. And if there's ever been a model for facing opposition, it's my Savior, Jesus Christ. In warfare, the intelligence corps plays a vital part because it enables the officers to know and to understand the enemy. We have to know about who we're fighting and what we're fighting. Unless we know who the enemy is, where he is, and what he can do we're going to have a difficult time defeating them. God's goal, I believe, is to teach us to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weaponry, not physical. You fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. So here's the weapons that we've been given. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Where where was Paul when he wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus? Do you remember? He was in jail. He's he's literally chained up to guards. Like, he's handcuffed to these guys. You know, and he's writing these letters and he's talking to these guards 24-7. So, literally, he was constantly staring at Roman soldiers the enemy. He's chained to the enemy. So when he tells you these things, he's speaking from experience. He's, he says to put on, to, to envelope, to, to hide in, to clothe with. If you put on something, then we can assume 
that you can probably uh, take it off as well, right? If he says, put it on, obviously we can take it off. This is not talking about actual clothing and getting dressed as if you're doing something. You, you get up every day and you put on your battle clothes. Literally, <clears throat> you have to sleep in your battle clothes. I believe that because if we're talking about the evil one and we're talking about knowing the enemy and what he does, I believe nighttime is his playground. And so why why wouldn't I why wouldn't I go to bed with the full armor of God on? Like literally there's times in my house where we've had to call out the name of Jesus at night. Because I know that that name is victorious. And he will the evil one will wake you up. He will cause you to go down a deep dark it, it you know what I'm talking about. Usually happens around 3 or 4, you know? You better be hiding in the spiritual armor. The devil uh that enemy has many different names. Devil means accuser. Because he accuses God's people day and night before the throne of God. It's found in Revelation. He's literally in heaven trying to say that you're not good enough. He's trying to say that to God. And Jesus, as we sat here and we read, is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes for me and for you and says, Hey, Rusty is holy, righteous, and redeemed because that's what I did for him on the cross. Satan means adversary because he's the enemy of God. He's also called the tempter in Matthew, the murderer and the liar in John. He's compared to a lion in 1 Peter, a serpent in Genesis and Revelation, an angel of light in 2 Corinthians, as well as the God of this age in 2 Corinthians. His tactics and his schemes have been the same from the very beginning. He's very crafty, he's, trick, he's tricky, he's cunning, and he plants deception all the time. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. And he does it inside the church as well. Like, he plants lies inside this community. He deceives inside this community. And you have to know what the game is for you to understand why that happens. They get their gets his pleasure by getting the church to spend their energy trying to obtain what is already ours. And here's what I mean by that. I sit up here every week and tell you that you're a new creation that you're forgiven, that Jesus died one time on the cross. He died for all of our sins, past, present, future, before you were born. I say this all the time to you. And yet, you go out and you live your life and the evil one tells you you're not worthy and he fills you with shame. He busts you up with guilt 
tells you you're not good, tells you you're not forgiven. And I'm telling you, it's the deceit of the evil one. He's constantly wanting to plant that in our heads as much as I, I want to brainwash you into understanding what the Bible says about you, that you are forgiven, that you're a saint, that you, you've been made righteous. It's not a believer's performance that brings about such standing. It's not his performance that allows him to maintain his stance. It's really already been done through Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. Verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. We're in a battle. We're in a struggle. We are wrestling. A wrestling match speaks of a contest at close quarters and an individual contest between the Christian and his demon enemies is what I'm talking about. We're constantly in this battle. It's not about flesh and blood. So what if this what if this battle takes place in the church? Like I said to somebody this week, I was sitting at this table with a bunch of pastors, and it's like, I I don't have business meetings, I don't have committees, I don't have budgets, I don't have all that stuff. And they're all looking at me like I'm weird. And from my experience, those are good resources of the evil one to attack. Paul not only spends time here making the believers aware of Satan's existence, but he's reminding them of what they already have and where they stand. I am a champion. I am righteous. He says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. The whole armor of God. The whole armor of God is a picture of Jesus Christ. That's it. Christ is the truth, John 14, 6. And he is our righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And our peace, Ephesians 2, 14. His faithfulness makes it possible for our faith, Galatians 2, 20. He is our salvation, Luke 2.30, and he is the word of God, John 1.1. Jesus Christ is our armor. Verse 14, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest. (laughs) The the belt was fundamental. Uh, uh, Angela, you, when you put that police belt on, you have about 50 things strapped on that thing. And the belt was fundamental because everything else connected to it. It held everything together. That girdle that they wore, it's where they held their sword. And unless we practice the truth, we can't use the word of truth. (laughs) Uh, I'm really risking this right here. Anybody know how to shuffle? Jack, you know how to shuffle? You don't? Really? Here, Mindy, come here. Shuffle these. I've been practicing. 
I don't know if this will work, but go ahead, look at them first, make sure it's like a real deck, and it's not like, you, you trust me. She See that? She hardly even looked at it. She trusts me. How many times are you going to shuffle? Three. You good? All right. I shuffled. Not doing any trickery. Any deception. But, Kelly, I know you're over there like laughing. If I take the top card, two of clubs, two of clubs, see that? And then I flip it back over. Watch this. I'm going to take this card, the top card, that I just flipped over, and I'm going to burn it in the middle of the deck. And then, oh, Lord, let this work. The two of clubs is right there. Now, I've practiced, and I've practiced, and I've practiced. I could have failed right in front of you. But that's, that's what he's saying right here is like, unless we practice the truth, unless we practice the truth, we can't use the word of the truth. Like, literally, why do these verses come to me? Because I practice, I read it over and over and over and over again, and they come to my head. And it's just muscle memory. That's all that trick was. It was muscle memory. That I did it over and over and over again until I think I got it. And it's the same way with the Word of God. You just keep practicing and practicing. You just keep reading and reading and reading. And all of a sudden, it just starts flowing to you. This breastplate of righteousness. It's not something that you earned. It's something that you received when you believed in Jesus Christ. You figure it all out, and then you walk with it. That's the cool thing. If Satan is the accuser, he can't accuse the believer who's living a godly life in the power of the Spirit that they're shameful, that they're full of guilt. You can't because you've practiced and you've practiced, and you've heard it over and over and over and over again, and you just have to go, I believe what's written here in the Scripture. It's got to be true. It's got to be true. It's got to work. When Satan accuses the Christian, it's the righteousness of Christ that assures the believer of our salvation. So you don't have to get up in the morning and determine, I'm going to be righteous today. You are righteous. You were made righteous. The belt of truth is more than just intellectual knowledge of the scriptures. It better be truth Attain and applied. You've got to be wearing it, not carrying it. Verse 15. And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. The Roman soldiers, they wore sandals with hobnails in it. That's basically like cleats. Because it gave them better footing for the battle. If we're going to stand and to withstand then we need shoes for the gospel. The believer has peace from God. You know, I, I, I deal with anxiety all around me, people with anxiety all the time. Uh, even with uh, Vicki and, and Charlie this week and the loss of Charlie's brother, you want to say, may the peace of God be with you. Guess what? The peace of God is already with them. The peace of God lives inside of us. 
But if I don't like understand that, if I don't receive that, if I don't believe that, I have a hard time living in that peace that I already have. It was given to me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I've got all that. I've got, I just have to like live in it. I have to appropriate it. It's, it's what we wear all the time. And then verse 16, in every situation, take up the shield of faith, which, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Ooh, the flaming arrows of the evil one. The, the shield was large. It was similar to that of a door. It was actually a two by four, which is the same size as a cornhole board, by the way. Now you see what size it is. It was made of wood, and they covered it with this really tough leather. As the soldier held it before him, it protected him from spears and arrows and fiery darts. You see it in all the movies now that you watch. Those fiery darts, those arrows, those missiles, you know what they're aimed for? Your brain your brain, fleshly thoughts and temptations, thoughts that you have no idea where they came from. Wait, I'm a holy, righteous, new creation person. How am I getting these incredible thoughts? That's why I know there's an evil one. Because I can't create those thoughts. I can't do it. I can walk victorious knowing that it's not me creating those thoughts. Did you, did you hear that? I can walk victoriously because I, ha- I have crazy, terrible thoughts, even right now, even right now. And I'm knowing, I, I, I didn't do that. It's this power of sin that dwells in my flesh. And then verse 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, the actual helmet protected the crown of the head, the forehead, and the cheeks, and the neck as well. This is an important part of the body, obviously. Satan's going to cause you to even doubt your salvation. You get that question all I hate that question. You think they're in? You think they knew? I, I'm like, I don't know. You know, go back to Genesis and it says Abraham believed. That's that's all it took for him to to be receive credit of righteousness because he believed. That was it. I don't know. Don't ask me questions like that. I'm not God. But I know this, the evil one wants me to doubt, wants me to process it, wants me to like question my salvation. But then I go back to God's word and I look about it and the spirit brings this remembrance of specific verses that need to encounter the enemy's tactics and schemes. The sword is the offensive weapon that God provides us. And the sword is this right here, the Word of God. 
says 18, verse 18, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Prayer's that that energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor and to wield the sword. It's the conversations with God on a moment-by-moment basis. Like he says, pray at all times. I, I literally can be reading my notes, talking, looking at you, and praying right now at the same time. I can. Because, you know, as a child, you're taught to like kneel beside your bed and you, you, you pray these different things, acts. You pray adoration. You pray confession. You pray thanksgiving. You pray supplication. How does an eight-year-old even know what supplication is? I'm taught all that in church, and, and it's like literally I've come to understand. Keith, uh, Keith uh, Tyner did a study back in like 2010 on prayer. He spent like months talking about prayer, and if if you go back, there's, there's a, I'm sure there's messages on there in the fall of 2010 about that, but it's really just like having a conversation with God on a constant basis. Like I can, I can speak at the same time and be talking to God. It's crazy. But he says praying at all times, I can. I, I pray with my eyes open. You, you, the phrase, watch and pray, it doesn't say bow your head and close your eyes and pray. It says, watch and pray. And you know how many times that occurs in the Bible? Who, who taught us how to like bow our heads and close our eyes because we wanted people to raise their hands for you know decisions and we could count them? And it's like, are you kidding me? It's the things that we learn. But scripturally, we're, we're sitting here going, okay, I can pray with my eyes open. I, I can be praying for others this week. I can be praying for my opponents and my enemies this week. Why wouldn't I? I just think as we pray for others, it takes that focus off of ourselves. Then verse 19, he says, Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. You guys, I ask that you pray that for me all the time. That one, opportunity comes for me to speak about Jesus Christ. Two, that I can see it. And three, that I'm ready. Really. I I pray the same thing for you. You're not any different than I am. I pray for your opportunities all the time. Paul had confidence in this church in Ephesus that they would pray for this boldness that he wants in sharing the gospel. So why wouldn't we pray for opportunities for each other? Verse 20, it says, For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. He's in chains, he says. That confirms his imprisonment in Rome, but he's like, be boldly. I want freedom. I want confidence. I want clarity. I want openness. I want frankness. Paul's like saying, I want all that. And these Roman soldiers are chained to him. They heard it over and over and over. Don't you think that some of them came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? 
I mean, you're handcuffed to Paul. <laughs> Day and night. And then he wraps up his letter. He says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. So Tychicus is there. Paul's got visitors. Tychicus has kept up with him and everything else. He's going to bring this letter to Ephesus as well as the letter to Colossa. Remember, he wrote Colossians and Ephesians at the same time, and Tychicus took them both. He was from Asia, and we know that from Acts chapter 20. And he could add more to this letter. He could tell about some conversations that Paul had, and he was going to keep them up to date. He says, I'm sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Paul always made it about the church rather than himself. He wanted the church to know that, that, that they were. it was about them. And, and then verse 23, Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what? Peace, love, and faith, they all come as gifts from God. And the last verse, Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what grace is. Grace, one, everybody understands. It's that unmerited favor that we have that he has bestowed on this for salvation. And then two, what you're not told a lot of the times is this, is grace is that ability to walk by the Spirit and accomplish all that God desires for you. Because why? You're not doing it in your strength, you're doing it in his strength. That, my friends, is real grace right there. I'm a champion. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm complete. I'm perfect. I'm holy. I'm a saint. I'm victorious. And I'm righteous in Christ. Believe it. Believe it. You've got to believe it. And when you walk out of this locker room, when you walk out of this locker room onto the playing field, you have to know those darts are going to be coming. The enemy is out there. The enemy's going to look, look huge to you. But stay together, one, as a team. Keep reminding each other, you're a champion in Christ. This week is a real battle. It's a real battle. And some of you are consumed by it. Consumed by it. But if I read what is true, I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to worry about. I... I've, I've got very little skin in this game. He's got everything to do with it. It's all in his hands. I'm going to close out this morning by this. There's a song 
I want you to listen to. I just want you to think about the words to this song this morning. And let this be your song for the week. in you. 
this whole thing it makes sense Father God I I pray that we don't lose focus this week that we uh, one that we trust you with our own lives our own families our own world our own community that it's in your hands. It's all in your hands. Your authority, all authority in heaven and on earth is yours. And so we're just going to trust you this week. All that's going on in our personal lives, all that's going on in public lives, uh, it's all about you. So uh, just let us enjoy this week. Let us stay focused on you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.